Let me catch a breath. I've never had to play drums and preach before, but it's pretty cool. So, what is up? What's ball? How y'all doing? In-house, online, what's up? We are in week four of our summer concert series. Y'all loving it? Y'all love it? What did you think about the song? They killed it. The drummer was, he was killer right now. That drummer was bad. Like Ben said, Pastor Kelly is out. He's uh, probably in surgery, if not through with surgery right now. And uh, it seems like there's a ton of sickness and things going around, tragedies like we talked about, things, unexpected natural disasters, everything's going around. So before we get started this morning, um, I just want to say a prayer. Is that all right? I just want to say a prayer for his anointing to be here and for God to be with these people. So let's just pray real quick. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, God. We thank you that you're an almighty God. We thank you that you have this under control. And uh, a lot of my wife got up here and preached at you. Lord, you have this. It might seem like everything is crazy. Everything's out of control. Um, you've overlooked us. Where are you, God? But God, you are right there holding our hand through it. You're going to see us through it. And we thank you for this morning that out of chaos, you can bring some beauty. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. And out of chaos, you can bring beauty. And I just pray for that. I pray for the people in Louisiana. I pray for Pastor Kelly. I pray for people's families and other people's families that's lost people to COVID or sick with COVID or any other thing like that this morning that's going on, God, that the devil, his plan would be stopped this morning. And I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, God. So um, I'm just going to tell it like it is. I found out I was preaching at about 6 last night. So um, I told Chris and Denise and uh, Tiffany that um, I'll usually take um, preparation with anointing. This morning we're just going with anointing. Okay? See, that song the band just played, it's called... Has anybody heard that song? It's a pretty popular song. It's called uh, You Found Me, and it was written by The Fray. It's a pretty heavy song. I'm not going to sugarcoat. It's really heavy. And the singer Isaac Slade, he said this about writing it. I thought it was pretty cool. I dreamt I ran into God on a street corner. He looked like Bruce Springsteen. And he was smoking a cigarette. I had it out with him and I asked, Where were you when all this bad stuff was happening to these very undeserving good people? See, these were tough times. I was feeling looked over. I was feeling looked over. I was questioning my faith, angry at things that had happened in my life and the lives of my friends. A friend that had suffered a, I had a friend that had suffered a miscarriage. I had lost my grandfather. I was angry, and the song felt angry and hopeless too. I imagined what I'd say to God in the face of all that crap my friends had gone through in the last couple of years. Anybody ever felt like that? Anybody had that inner monologue with God where you're just like, Why, God? Why is this going on? Why are people overlooking me? What, what's going on in the world? Why is this tragedy happening? Uh, is it, can anybody say, yeah? Can we be brutally honest and say, hey, and if you haven't, you need to get really real with God because he's your dad. Has anybody ever yelled at their dad, their earthly dad? Maybe not. I didn't. I did it in private because it whipped me. <laughs> but that being said, God can handle those kind of things. And, and matter of fact, he wants you to. That's part of having a relationship, right? part of having a relationship so we've all had these feelings we especially feel that way when we pour into people when we pour into people and it feels like people just don't care you ever felt like you've been pouring you've been giving more than you've been getting and people just don't care see it's easy to place our expectations of what people how people should react 
when we're putting that out there, when we're putting those things in the air. It's, it's easy to place expectations of how they should respond or feel like our care should be reciprocated. You feel like that? Well, it should at least be appreciated, right? The way we feel about people should at least be appreciated. And it's easy to really get down on yourself. It's easy to feel overlooked, cast out, and project those feelings also onto God. I found that when I'm dealing with personal things, it's easy to cast a personality type onto God, like he, he's a human. Does anybody ever do that, to act like the God's a human like that? But one thing is for sure, when we all, all we do is care and we pour into other people, it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard to find someone who cares equally. Or if we feel like it. And another thing is we misinterpret people's feelings too. They're just not wired up like we are. And we expect things. See, we set the bar high. So we, we, so we feel all these insecurities about the world and people, and we can feel lost and we can feel hurt. You ever felt like that? I feel like it all the time. Not so much lately, but it's easy to get there. So let's turn to the book of Ruth. If you got your got your Bible with you, if not, the Sky Bible's right here. I love that thing. We'll turn to the book of Ruth. And uh, me and Tiffany were talking when I found out I had to speak last night and trying to bounce ideas. And I thought, you know what, Tiff, the ladies don't get enough shine when people are talking up here. So let's talk about a lady this morning. So we're going to talk about Naomi. Anybody ever heard of Naomi? So let's turn there. She's somebody that definitely felt overlooked, abandoned, forsaken. See, our story opens with a nice Jewish family with a problem. Famine has hit Bethlehem, which forces Elimelech. Elimelech, I love that's so weird. It's like uh, something from the Lion King. Elimelech, Elimelech, Elimelech. Um, which it forces Elimelech and his wife Naomi to move east to Moab and with their two sons to get something to eat, right? They set up shop, they eat, they get some food, and they live for about a decade. The sons marry two local girls, Ruth and Orpah. These names, guys, Orpah. I kid you not. They sound, I hate it. It sounds like Oprah with the letters mixed. Orpah. It is. Okay, it is, but I hate it. So life is good, or so it seems. So one by one, Elimelech and his two sons die. Tragedy hits. Where, where are you, God? Where, where are you at? This leaves Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah without a guy. And it needed some serious help. So Naomi decides to head back to Bethlehem. You figure 10 years is long enough for a famine to pass. And her daughter-in-laws, they pack their luggage and they join her. Naomi begs, begs to stay with her. But Orpah, she, is not, she don't need any convincing. She tuck tails and goes back to Moab. But Ruth pledges her devotion to Naomi, forsaking her God, her country, her beliefs, everything she's ever known, to pledge her devotion to this woman, an unwavering devotion. See, Ruth's stubbornness paid off, and Naomi lets her tag along. In Bethlehem, things are not going good for the ladies. Naomi is feeling down and out, and Ruth is re reduced to gleaning the barley in the fields. Whatever gleaning is, look it up. So let's pick up in Ruth, not 119 on the Sky Bible. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman, woman, women explained, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. She's feeling rough, right? 
This leads to our first fill-in. I don't think your notes have fill-ins, but this would be a great place to write this. The first one is, when feeling overlooked, don't overlook those that have your back. I'll say that again. When feeling overlooked, don't overlook the people that have your back. See, it's easy to overlook those people that are speaking into your life, that are there when you're getting caught up in your feelings and your emotions and how other people should be responding to you. It's easy to look over those people. But God has placed those people in your life for a reason in this season to speak into you and so you don't have a pity party about everything that's going on. Can I get an amen? I'll just, I'm going to hire Chris to give me an amen every three minutes. All right? He's great at it. I love his amens. It's with bass. Amen. So Naomi rolls into town defeated, feeling cursed, pretty much feeling like God and everybody else abandoned her. Feeling like everybody else had abandoned her. She totally, totally overlooks the daughter-in-law, Ruth, that God gave her. That's decided to forsake everything in her life, her family, her hometown, her country. She's left it all. She totally overlooks Ruth. See, don't discount who God has placed in your life. Because sooner or later, those people are going to need to speak life into you. While you're having a pity party for yourself, those people are there pouring into you, and they're going to need it sooner or later. You might be feeling overlooked, not cared about, rejected, a lot like Naomi was. But this leads to my next point. Rejection is projection and redirection. You say that again? That could be in a rap song. Rejection is, proje is protection and redirection. Now, I can say this like a Church of God evangelical. Rejection is protection and redirection. That made you, hey. Woo. Some people, sometimes people don't see who you are. It seems like they look right through you, right? See, sometimes bad stuff happens. It happens to us all. But most of the time, I can guarantee you, and I can promise you this, if you keep pursuing God, if you keep trying to find His will for your life, He will redirect you where you're supposed to be. See, uh, when I first got out of prison, this was in, like way back when, not too far long ago, but when I first got out, I, whatever, hush. Hush. See, when I first got out of prison... I was, I was working, I was doing good, I was working in her brother's tire shop, but let's be honest, I was making $8 an hour. Nobody really wants to hire felons, believe it or not. I don't know why. <laughs> but they don't really want to hire them. So I got this job opportunity at UPS. I went in, they let me take a driving test. They're like, you have this job. And I'm like, awesome. That is so good. So this goes on for like a week. I'm like, they ain't called me back, I'm calling you know, my mom always told me, call every day. She would annoy the crap out of you. Call every day, Casey. I'm like, all right, Mom. So I called, and I called, and I called. You've got the job. Don't worry. We're just waiting for your background check to come back. Now, mind you, I did tell them I was a felon. Uh, they said, we hire felons. We're all about you guys. All right? Like, cool. So this is like a month later, and I'm still waiting. And finally, the corporate office in Nashville calls. And I'm like, sir, um, we're going through your background check, and it looks like uh, we're not going to be able to hire you. I guess it was a little more extensive than they thought. You know, um, and I said, well, should I have murdered somebody? Could you have hired me then? And they're like, yeah, probably. We probably could have. See, I was devastated. I was devastated. I just thought this was it. I thought this was my chance. I thought this job was going to validate me. 
This upstanding job at UPS was going to make an ex-addict respectable. I thought that. See, I felt overlooked by God because I just thought God had opened this door for me. I felt like he did. I felt overlooked by people because I thought, well, they don't think I'm good enough for this job. But I didn't stay there because I had a root in my life that spoke into me, quite literally, my wife. And I get, I get teared up every time. When I see her up here, like, she didn't even want to do that third song this morning. But I'm telling you, when you let God, the anointing, take over, it don't matter how prepared you are. He's willing to move, and he's willing to do something and change a life right there. So I get so tore up when I think about that, the people that he's put in my life. He put a root there, quite literally my wife, my brother Kelly, to speak into me, hey, this wasn't it. This wasn't it, Casey. So I, I, I didn't stay there. If I would have got that job at UPS, my life might have looked a lot different. I might not be teaching. I might not be the one Pastor Kelly called to say, hey, Casey, I need you to speak for me this morning. I might not have the opportunity to lead with this awesome team that really pulled this audible off this morning. And, and I just love you people. Each and I, my favorite part of Sunday morning is coming out here and hugging everybody's neck. And I don't care if you got a mask on looking like Bane or you don't wear a mask. I don't care. I'm hugging you if you'll let me. It's my favorite part of the services. It's favorite. I love you people. I might not have that chance. I wouldn't have the opportunity to help Pastor Kelly and Pastor Denise. You know... See, that rejection and, proje and protection redirected us, me and Tiffany, towards our purpose. It redirected us toward our purpose. Now, Tiffany wears the UPS Browns. <laughs> and they hired a respectable person. <laughs> Dang. Let me tell you, and I can guarantee you, she looks way better in the Browns than I do. <laughs> than I would have. Amen. She's a UTC mock. Like I said, a UPS driver, she's my best friend, she's a great mother, she pours into people around here all the time, if there's somebody that needs a baby shower, she's like, I'll do it, and then she's like, why did I say I would do it? <laughs> why? She pours into people, I love her, but God knew I couldn't handle that load. I am not a multitasker, let me tell you. Whenever she went to work at UPS and I had to stay home with the kids and divide responsibilities between the church and their home, I found out that mom's got it rough, yo. <laughs> when I was out there, I would rather be laying blocks some days than being at home. In 95-degree weather, they got it rough. It's not no cakewalk. I am not a multitasker. I'm not. Oh, man. But God had plans for us. He had plans for us. I wouldn't have went to school. I wouldn't, I, I'm fixing to graduate this year from Chattanooga State and then go to Bryan College for a psychology degree. I use Google a lot. I don't even buy books. You hear me? No. True story. I'm a pastor. I'm now, I'm now ordained and licensed pastor. Yeah. But my bad-to-the-bone wife, she can handle school, work, and this dude right here. See, God knows. God knows. In the middle of life tragedies, God is not overlooking you. He is looking out for you. God is not overlooking you. He is looking out for you. See, Tiffany and I were talking, and we were uh, kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. 
And we were talking about the story of Naomi, and she said, you know what, your mom was a Naomi to me. I was like, yeah. If you knew my mom, she was a Naomi to a lot of people. But I said, yeah, without a Ruth, she, would, she could have remained a Mara. The Almighty has made my life bitter. See, those people in your life that have had your back through divorce, death, COVID, and this crazy crap of a world we have, natural disasters, they've had your back. They might be your Ruth. and They, they could be your Ruth, but... If your obedience doesn't line up and you don't pursue and you don't weather the storm, you can either be a Naomi or a Mara. It's your choice. Who do you want to be? You have the roofs in your life right now, and I know a lot of the guys are feeling weird about it. Well, I can't even identify. He's saying roofs and Naomi. Get over it. It's, 2000, it's 2021. <laughs> guys, we need those people in our lives that can hold us, hold us accountable, that can push us. They can say, Casey, you're meant for more. That I am redirecting you right now. This is not it. I'm protecting you from what you could have settled for so much less. You could settle for a paycheck at UPS that was pretty good, but you couldn't have fulfilled your purpose. Now, that's what it's about. I don't care if I have a million dollars in the bank. I'll take the money, too. Don't get me wrong. I'll take it, too. But I want to know that I'm following the heart of God. I want to know that I'm following my Father's heart. Man. So let's get back to the story of Ruth. See, Ruth happens to run into a well-known rich guy named Boaz. Anybody heard of Boaz? I know every time I get on Facebook, find your, finding your Boaz or whatever. It's like a dating website or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Waiting for Boaz. Now, Boaz, immense, uh, she instant, he instantly takes a shine to her. He takes a shine to Ruth. And he offers her all kinds of sweet gleaning privileges. I don't know what gleaning is once again, but he's like, Hey, Ruth, uh, you work in my field? So she has privileges. So Bo Boaz also happens to be a relative of Naomi's late husband, Elimelech, Elimelech, <laughs> which is very, very important since Boaz would have an obligation to marry Ruth and provide for, for her as family. When Naomi hears about Boaz and what a stand-up dude he is, she hatches a plan for Ruth. This night. Anybody, y'all got those friends? And my wife is the world's worst. She's like, I need them to meet you. She is such a sweet person. I need them. They, they, she hatches a plan to try to play a hookup. <laughs> y'all got those people. I know you do. So she hatches this plan to try to snag Ruth, the husband. She tells her daughter-in-law to visit Boaz at night in secret and lie at his feet. I don't know what customs were back then. Apparently, this was very sexy. <laughs> Just lay at his feet. Okay? Ruth does what her mother-in-law asks, and Boaz is pleasantly surprised to see that this young girl has interest in her. He tells Ruth that he would love to marry her, but there's another relative with even closer ties to her in-law. See, back then, it was whoever had the closest ties had the obligation of taking on that. So Boaz sets out to meet the guy, and everyone is left. Uh, that we don't know what's going to happen. A drama unfolds because this other guy's in the picture. So there's like a, a B.C. bachelor taking place. Like, uh, who is going to get, who's going who's to end up with Ruth? Is it Boaz or is it, you know, uh, don't act like y'all don't watch Bachelor. Uh, I got forced into watching it a few times. So everybody's holding their breath. Everybody's waiting to see who she ends up with. As it turns out, this random relative 
is interested in buying some land that Naomi has, but he's not much interested in Ruth. So a deal is struck. The other guy renounces his claim on Ruth, and Boaz is free to marry her. Wedding bells ring. Everybody is super happy. Soon Ruth and Boaz have a son, which makes Naomi uber happy. The women in town named the, named the baby Obed. I just want to know where they come up with these names. Obed. And surprise, surprise, you know who Obed is? He became the, he, he, was, he was the grandfather of King David. Talk about purpose. Talk about, man, talk about a happy ending. So let's go back to the Sky Bible, Ruth 4, 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Now that guardian redeemer phrase needs to be taken some, uh, needs to look at closely. Because back then a guardian redeemer was the person that was, that would come in and pay debts for a family. They were the closest relative. They would uh, assume debts. They would marry other people. They would take care of land and stuff like that. So let's play, pay close attention to that term guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for her. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And we all know where Jesus came from, what lineage he came from. Lineage of David. And it all started with a woman feeling dejected, abandoned, feeling misused, overlooked, bitter. It all started with a woman like that, but named Naomi, that had a Ruth in her corner, that was pushing for her, that was pulling for her. Now, think of this the next time you feel like this. It's my last thing. Uh, Bubba or somebody, y'all can come up. You may be hidden for a greater purpose. Think about that. You may be hidden for a greater purpose. You've been thinking, I've been overlooked. People aren't noticing me. God doesn't notice me. But you've been, you have been hidden for a greater purpose. See, the Bible is filled with these stories of people who are overlooked, abused, misused, bitter. And I think it's to magnify how great he is and how much he loves us and what his purpose is for our lives. See, people in comparison to God, are, I mean, we're inherently bad. God is inherently good. So the whole Bible is just magnifying how bad we are and how good and loving God is. You remember a kid named David. We just talked about him. He was the youngest of his brothers. His father, Jesse, didn't even call him in when they ran the roll call when he was looking for a new king. But Samuel said this, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Now, why, why was David overlooked? See, Jesse introduced all seven sons, and he made no mention of David whatsoever. Like, why did he keep this dude a secret? Why? Samuel asked to see the young boy whose name was David. And immediately God confirmed to him that he was actually the young man God had chose to be anointed as king. It's funny how God will choose the ones that are hidden, ignored, and unqualified and make them qualified. All this time it was David, the one they failed to mention about. 
was the one God chose over all the other sons. David being overlooked was actually God showing favor to him. Sometimes God will keep you hidden from people at first when it's time to reveal who you are. When it's time to reveal, it will show the people who rejected you how worthy you really are. Sometimes your hidden season is preparation. It's a process for the calling on your life. When you're feeling overlooked, it's actually God saying, it's not time for your purpose to be fulfilled right now. This is a waiting period. This is a preparation time. Now, some hidden seasons may be short for some and extended for others. But trust God with this journey you're on called life. Trust God. Even if you feel left out and unnoticed, he has a great reason for it. You may not understand. I can guarantee you probably won't at first. But I assure you, it'll make sense later. I promise. I know because this is my testimony. This is my testimony. I was overlooked. And not by, I mean, a lot of those I projected on myself, but I was the youngest of four brothers, and they had already done really good things by the time I started coming into my formative years. So everybody was like, oh, Chris is great. Kelly's great. They didn't really say, they said Stephen's great too, but he didn't really <laughs> preach and stuff. So we're like, you know, I mean, different kind of great. He is a great guy. Um, but I felt like that. I felt like I was overlooked. I felt like I wasn't deserving. You might feel like that. It's okay. But I can promise you this. God has a plan for it. This is a waiting season. So being rejected, ignored, or not noticed is not always a negative thing. It just means you are chosen to be set apart from everyone else. And you must have the boldness to walk in confidence. Don't be afraid to be different from the crowd. Don't be afraid to be different. Remember this. The next time you feel overlooked, remember that anything with value must be hidden from those who can't handle it or appreciate it. Anything with value, I can guarantee you people used to hide stuff of value from me. I can promise you that. Like I said before, they used to hide their purses, now they hide their donuts. Anything worth, worth is valuable is hidden from people that don't appreciate it. Y'all have got some stuff, some people in your lives that appreciate you, but it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day things going on. I know uh, my wife is the world's worst about watching the news and everything. I don't watch the news. I get my news from her. Um, the world's worst of watching you know, what's going on and watching it unfold and really starting to get anxiety about it. She's the world's worst about it. But she also cares immensely about people, too. So it's a double-edged sword. But y'all have got people out there that love you, that care about you, that want to speak into your life. Some of you this morning, y'all can bring the lights down. Y'all care to bring the lights down? Some of you out there, and it's okay to admit it, feel rejected, abandoned. You're bitter at God or other people. But I can tell you, you're in a place right now where there's a family of people around you that love you, that want to speak into your life. They want to connect with, connect with you, not just in a religious way. Hey, how you doing today? No, they want to get involved in your life. I can promise you that. I've got people that have my back 
And I'm going to tell a little short story on my nephew, Bo, here. When I was, uh, I'm the, me and Tiff are also the young adult pastors. And me and Bo were playing Ultimate Frisbee in Dayton. All right, I've never played Ultimate Frisbee before, mind you. I know it looks like I'd play Ultimate Frisbee because of this amazing physique. But we're playing Ultimate Frisbee, and these two younger dudes, like 20, 21, their brothers, are talking mad crap. They're like acting like they're the LeBron James of Ultimate Frisbee. I'm getting to... Goins might have a little bit of a temper. I don't know. Well, anyway, I noticed some of the words they were saying in Spanish were not very nice words. So I lost my ever-loving mind. Fireworks, Ben was like, oh, I wish I was there. The, the young adults pastor is trying to fight two dudes. So I'm trying to fight two dudes out there. And, you know, uh, Bobby is looking around like, what do we do? You know, I don't know. What. But Bo's like, hey, what's up, man? You know, and I was like, this dude has my back. I know he has my back. Now, that's in a quite physical sense. But, man, there's people in your life that have your back. Look at him. He's dressed right now for battle. He's got a vest on, yo. But there's people that quite here that are quite literally ready to fight for you. God is ready to fight for you. God is ready to fight for you. Are you ready to fight for yourself? That's the question. Are you ready to start feeling bad for yourself? To stop wallowing in pity and start recognizing the people that he strategically put in your life? 